0: Amen. I am forever yours. I sing out, I remind my soul that I am forever yours. I mean, what a blessing. What a tremendous blessing. I uh, trust that each of you had a good Thanksgiving and uh, probably plenty to eat, maybe a little more than we should have, but uh, life is good and we're very thankful for what God provides. And uh, what a joy it is. You know, great music has always been associated with Christmas. I mean, we're familiar with the, the story of Christmas, you know, the angels and, and the shepherds and the Virgin Mary and also the baby Jesus. And sometimes when we get into this time of year, it's um, how, do we, how do we make an old, old story wonderful? How do we, we've heard it so much. But see, I think that's the beautiful part about Christmas is we hear that story again. It was like earlier we sang that song one day, Glorious Day. You know, it tells the story about Christ coming to earth and dying for our sins and and being raised uh, from the dead. And what a glorious day. I mean all of that we we see these these um, these times that they're so familiar at christmas time the the songs that we sing the the story we're very familiar with the christmas story but the events of christmas are so magnificent that it results in us singing about what a great god we have i mean songs come and go but there are four songs of Christmas that have endured the last 2,000 years. I'm not talking about the carols we sing, necessarily. I'm talking about songs that are found in Scripture. And really, I want to highlight one of those today, and I'll highlight another one next week. And the, the, the week after that, we have uh, Christmas music that morning. And then uh, the, the third week, I'll, I'll, I'll do the third one. And the, the fourth week in December, I'll do the fourth uh, song but uh, the one today um, happens to, to be uh, Zacharias' Zacharias's song, his prophecy, if you will. It's found at the end of Luke chapter 1. And um, Zacharias was the son of a priest who married the daughter of a priest. And so it's interesting because she became pregnant and gave birth to John the Baptist. And what a wonderful thing, that we see in that birth narrative about John's birth. And uh, you can read in chapter 1 of Luke all about it, um, but I want to highlight some things here in just a moment. Um, This song will be the first one on our Christmas playlist this year, Zacharias' song, and um, it's called Benedictus. And really it comes from the first word in Latin in that song is called blessed. Okay? And so Benedictus means blessed. In Latin, But this song is called Benedictus after the first word. It's probably the, the least known of the four songs, but it's a song of great joy. And I want you to notice three things about it before we get into it. There's it I'll, beginning, I'll begin in verse 67, and I'm going to read down through verse 79. But in the first couple of verses... Notice the thanksgiving that Zacharias gives in light of the announcement that the angel gave him about God's redemptive plan. The thanksgiving that he gives in light of the announcement, okay? In the second part of it, verses 70 through 75, notice how he proclaims God, God's covenant mercies to his people in announcing the coming of the Messiah in the fulfillment of his promise to Abraham. See, he's going way back to Abraham's promise, God's promise to Abraham. And then in the third part of this, verse 76-79, through he prophesies about his son, John, and what kind of ministry he will have. You'll notice that in this prophecy, he virtually outlines John's ministry. And if you read the rest of the New Testament, especially about John's life, you will see that this description that, that Zacharias gives him at birth describes his ministry and his life to a T. And I think that's huge because it's prophetic. Our text is found in Luke chapter 1. I want to begin in verse 67. And I'll read down through 79. And this is what it says. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give to His people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you. I thank you for your precious word. I thank you, Father, for how you guide us in that and how you speak to us through your word. I ask, Holy Spirit, that even now you would illuminate our hearts. Father, that, that we would see the truth about us and about you. Father, that you would lead us in the way of salvation that you would lead us in a way of peace. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you gave your Son, Jesus, for each one of us. Father, thank you for that. I ask that his name would be glorified even now. And it's in his mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. See, the first thing that I, I simply want you to see out of this passage this morning is the thankfulness of every believer in the thankfulness of Zacharias. The thankfulness of every believer in the thankfulness of Zachariah because Zacharias' thanksgiving has to do with God's redemption of his people. I mean, in verse 67, he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. Brothers and sisters, that's my testimony and that's your testimony. God has visited us and provided for us redemption for his people. I mean, that's a great thing. And he's saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel because of that. He's offering thanksgiving to God because of what God has already done for him. I think that's huge. Because it's patent, it's open, it's overwhelming, and he's overwhelmed by God's redemptive plan. <laughs> we could use some overwhelming. Right. See, the fact that his son John is going to play a role in that redemptive plan causes Zacharias to break forth in songs of praise to God. I mean, When we really get it, when we really understand the impact that it cost God to redeem us, we too will break forth in praise and song. You might remember a time when God's redemption really came home to you. Maybe in such a way that it overwhelmed you. I remember in my own life. I was in a time where I had, God had spared me from wandering. You know that phrase, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. God spared me from wandering and he, he brought me back to, to my family. He brought me back to my, my church. He brought me back to, to himself. And I remember sitting in that worship center and feeling so overwhelmed by the, the presence of, of, of what God has done for me. I didn't even want to leave that sanctuary that night. I just wanted to sit there and bask in his glory, knowing what he had done for me. See, the reality of the Lord's redemption of each one of us is very powerful. And all of us, hopefully, have that same kind of testimony that we can share about a time when we recognized God's grace was for you was for me. And how powerful it overcame us. Here, Zacharias is praising God and giving him thanks. You know, this was a time when Zacharias probably could have been very self-focused. I mean, the whole song could have been about, Lord, you've given me a son. But that's not what he's singing about. He's singing about what a great God. We have. He's thanking God for that. Isn't it interesting how this song is all about God? How it's all about His redemption? It's so God centered. It's so God focused. It's so focused on how He saves us and that we don't save ourselves. It's about what God is doing. We need those kind of songs. We need to be singing those kind of songs. You know, I, I know some of you are sports fans. And you support teams that have maybe have been on losing streaks for a very long time. I happen to know that some of you are Chicago Cub fans. Not gonna mention any names. But they were on a losing streak for well, back about a hundred (laughs) years. But I'm here to tell you it just ended. They won the World Series. Well, it's like this. The children of Israel have been on a losing streak for 600 years. The same joy that you saw in those Cub fans is the same joy that you're seeing in Zacharias, only he's giving the praise to God because of what God is doing. The angel is saying to Zacharias, God is about to turn everything around. We need to hear that. We need to hear that in our mind. We need to hear that in our heart. God is about to turn everything around. We need to understand that. Because that's the kind of God He is. They've been saying, well, wait till next year. They've been saying, wait till next year for 600 years. And now God is saying, The time has come and I'm going to fulfill the promise. You can't imagine the joy in Zacharias' heart. And then to be told that his son was going to have a part in announcing that that and that so filled him with thanksgiving to God. Not only had he hoped that Messiah would come, but that his son was going to be the forerunner, the announcer, the herald. That would announce the Messiah coming. Wow, does it get any better than this? See, a believer's heart is also filled with joy and thanksgiving at the very thought of our redemption. I mean, in the middle of everything else that goes on in the Christmas season, it's easy to find our joy and delight in things other than the Lord's redemption, but the believer, should find his joy in God's redemption of him. God chose you. He loves you. Secondly, I I want you to see in these verses that Zechariah, he not only concentrates on how the coming of Jesus fulfills God's promise to David, but he concentrates on the fact that the coming of Jesus is going to fulfill the promise that God made to Abraham. Notice how Zacharias proclaims God's covenant mercies to his people. And notice how he does that. He says here in verse 72, he says, To show mercy toward our fathers. And to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to Abraham our father to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. I mean, he proclaims the fact that today this this promise that God made to Abraham way back when is now going to be fulfilled in and through Jesus the Messiah. To show mercy toward our fathers. We got some fathers that need mercy, amen? To show mercy toward our fathers. I love that. You see how this song though, it it emphasizes constantly the activity of God in redemption. It's not a song about how we save ourselves. It's not a song about how God helps those who help themselves. It's about how God came. It's all about Him. It's a song about God sovereignly coming in answer to His own word, to His own promise, to His own oath, to His own covenant, and redeeming and rescuing His people. I am so thankful that God sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross to... To pay the penalty for my sin. Because I can't pay it. I can't pay it. And when I carry the burden of my sin, I am overwhelmed by it. And I just want to crawl in a corner somewhere and die. But the fact that Jesus paid my way, the fact that Jesus died for me, means that I now have new life. And I have it to the full because of my Savior Jesus Christ. And that, Zacharias proclaims with great joy. We've been redeemed. The Redeemer is coming. And again, that's the sum, that's the substance, that's the stuff of the greatest joy of every believer is that we've been redeemed. We've been saved for all eternity. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We we don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear dying. We don't need to fear sin. We don't need to fear a lot of things in this world. Because of Jesus. And because of what he has done. That ought to be the thing above everything else that we thank God for. That we meditate on. That we look to as that redemption. That he has purchased for us. But notice also in Zacharias, he has a third thing here to teach us. And I want you to see this also, the prophecy concerning his son, John. He tells us about the themes of judgment and forgiveness and mercy in John's preaching. And they're foretold here. He says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High you will go on before the Lord to prepare His way to give to His people, I want you to hear this, to give to His people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. See, The forerunner, the role of the forerunner was to prepare the people for the Messiah. That's what, that's the way John viewed himself. I mean, even in John chapter 3, John the Baptist is responding to his disciples who tell him, Well, Jesus is baptizing more people than you are. You know, he's talking about that. The followers there are baptizing more. And John said that's exactly how it's supposed to be. They're supposed to be following Jesus. I'm the forerunner. He compares himself to the best man at a wedding. You know, it's the best man's job to make sure that the groom and the bride get married and then get them off on their honeymoon and then fade away into nothing else. See, that's exactly what John desired. He brought the bride and the groom together, and after the wedding, he fades back into the distance, leaving Jesus center stage by himself right there with the bride. I love that. John said this was his job. I believe Rick Warren's famous first line in his book, The purpose-driven life, it applies here. It's not about you. It's about Him. Most of the time, we want to make life about us. But it's not about you. It's about Him. It's about Him. I want to give you just a, a quick sidebar here. Pull over and park for a moment. You know, John... He's called a prophet. You will be called the prophet of the Most High in verse 76. What is a prophet? A prophet's been described as a, a foreteller, but also a forthteller. Now, a foreteller is someone who predicts future events. But the prophet was mostly known for being one who plainly and clearly told the people God's message. He was a forthteller. He would plainly tell the people God's deliverer had arrived. And it was time for them to prepare their hearts to receive him by repenting of the sin. And he will teach them about salvation and the way to peace with God. See, one cause for Zacharias's praise is that finally, after 400 years of silence, a prophet of God is heard speaking the word of God. In Luke 7, Jesus said that forthtelling was the outstanding characteristic of John. I mean, think about this. He asked the people why they went out into the desert to hear John. He said, Do you think he's just a reed? Maybe something blowing in the wind? That he has no backbone? That, that he, just, he just sways whichever way the, the public opinion goes? No. He preached God's Word. Now sometimes we sing a song that goes like this. Change my heart, O God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O God. May I be like you but it takes more than singing a song it requires the hard work of challenging our bad habits challenging our laziness challenging our false attitudes and supplementing them with holy behavior and truthful thinking see it takes some new habits So often we want to sing a song and we feel good about ourselves and we get up and we leave and nothing has changed. We've not made any commitments. We've not decided anything. All we've decided is we're going to stay the same as we were last week. We're not going to get radical. We're not going to get fanatical. We're not going to do anything that would jeopardize where we're at and what's going on. See, John the Baptist was a man whose mind and conscience and lifestyle were dominated by the Word of God. It explains why his message of life was so different from most of the people in his generation. Our thoughts and our values are so permeated by our culture. We're really blind to how powerful it molds us Into its image. I mean, if we have any hope of living in a way that's pleasing to God, we have to have something outside our culture that speaks the truth to us. And that objective truth is the Word of God. Because we are pressed into the mold. How else are we going to change? We have to have something outside of culture. And that objective truth is the Word of God. That's why John seemed so out of step with his culture. He was dominated by the Word of God. He wasn't blowing to the the, the breeze of political correctness. He was telling it like it was because it is truth and God's Word stands forever. Forever. See, there's two words that really summarize Christmas. The first one is sin. Well, now, Ridge, we we had this thing with trees and candy canes and ribbons and bows, and now you're talking about sin. Right, because we're sinners. We're sinners. We are fundamentally self-centered people we regularly dethrone God and we put ourselves on the throne. And this self-assertion against the eternal God who fills the universe, it earns His wrath, His indignation, and His judgment. It's the greatest act of arrogance in the universe is for us to think that we're the boss. It would be like a teacup Or a bowl or a vase saying that it was the potter that they made themselves. We know that's not true. It is the height of arrogance for us to make ourselves the boss, to be in charge. But the second word of Christmas is salvation. And the word means freedom from God's wrath and judgment. Christmas is a story of him remembering his plan to free us. And he achieves that by entering into our world, taking on human flesh and dying for your sin and for mine. See, this is the most needed message in our world today. Is Jesus Christ came and died for us? Notice verse 77 it says, To give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. To give his people the knowledge of salvation. How? By the forgiveness of their sins. I mean, according to Matthew 3, uh, verse 2 I mean, what was john's first message repent for the kingdom of god is at hand it was also jesus's first message repent for the kingdom of god is at hand but listen you can't preach the forgiveness of sins unless you preach repentance Repentance is turning away from the sin, turning away from those sinful behaviors, turning away from those ungodly relationships and beginning to serve God the way that He has designed it. It's the height of arrogance to say, I know better than you, God. I I know what I need. I, I I know it better than you. Rather, we should come to Him in humble repentance and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done. You're the boss, you tell me the plan, and we'll follow it out. See, we must be clear about one thing regarding forgiveness it's not only the payment for our penalty, but more importantly, it's the restoration of a relationship. It's restoring a right relationship between us and God. I'm thankful that I'm not going to get what I deserve. But what I really need is that relationship with God. I long for that because he created me for that. He put that desire in my heart that I would have a relationship with him. See, all of life is preparation to lead us. To Christ. In life, God's working all things together to bring us to Christ. And there's a very important principle here that we see. In, in, it was important and relevant for John's ministry. And it's just as important for the ministry that we do each and every day, each and every week. And the principle is this. To represent Christ. If you're going to put Christ forward... If you're going to represent Christ in our world, then we must stand apart from sin and from the world which hates him. We cannot do both. We cannot represent Christ and be in and of the world. We have to separate ourselves from the world if we're going to represent Christ. Let me give you just a little bit of application here. Do you recognize this gospel as being your own? I mean, has Jesus come in and has he redeemed you? Are you walking in the fullness of his salvation? Has he rescued you from all of your enemies who hold you in bondage? See, we all have sin that entangles us and trips us up? You need to walk in freedom through confession, through repentance, through forgiveness. Or do you walk in fear? Our world, our culture, walks in fear. I love this. Because he says that he will free us That we might serve him without fear. (laughs) To serve him without fear. For those of you who need a little deeper challenge. You see the greatest benedictus. The greatest blessing. The greatest thanksgiving or praise of God. Is to make his name great among the nations. I mean, Christ commanded us to shine His light among the nations for those who have no chance of ever hearing about Jesus, even one time. So let me ask you, what are you doing about it? It's not enough to be saved and to have your family saved, and and yes, we're all going to heaven. He calls us to go proclaim His name to the nations. Are you called to go? Are you called to serve? Are you called to send? Are you called to give, to support someone on the front lines? I mean, this time of year, we, we take the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It's for missionaries. So they can work and serve. So they can establish Lights in dark places. We're called to all of these things so that the the name of our Lord Jesus will be praised, will be made great. You know, it would be a great tragedy to enjoy and delight in the sentiments and memories of this Christmas season without Reveling in the greatest delight of it all, we have peace with God. Peace with God. That in our inner being, we are at peace because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're not struggling, there's not an inner conflict, we're not wandering, we're not wrapped in fear. There's this inner peace with God because of the reconciling and finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He has given us the forgiveness of our sins. And may God grant each of us the knowledge to know about the forgiveness of our sins through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And may we have this season peace with God. My prayer is that each one of us would know that eternal peace. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you. I thank you for this time and this moment. I thank you for your word. I ask, Father, that as we move towards a time of response, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, I ask you to examine our hearts and see if we have this peace with God that has been offered through Jesus Christ. Lord, there are many things that that trouble us. And Father, you know the needs of each individual in this room. Father, you created us. You know us intimately. You know the the hairs on our head. You've counted them, you know. Nothing goes without your notice. And Father, we humbly bow and ask you to examine our hearts. See if there is an area where we've given ground over to the enemy. Father, challenge our hearts that we would be all that you call us to be. Father, that we would not shrink back But, Father, that we would represent a true picture of who Christ is to our world. Father, I pray that you would bring about a great repentance in your church. And, Father, that through that, you would bring about times of refreshing and that you would heal our land. God, we're sorry for the things that we've made it. When we've made it about us and not about you, forgive us. Lord, in the quietness of this moment, I pray that our hearts would be tuned to to you and that you would draw us, Father, some to everlasting life, Father, some to follow Jesus. Father, some to become a part of your bride, the church. But God, whatever it is you're calling us to, I ask that our response would be yes, Lord, yes. Thank you, Jesus, for being the Messiah. Thank you for coming. Thank you for saving us for all eternity. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.